would you stand? If you're able to stand, we're going to honor the reading of God's Word. If you can't stand for whatever reason, it's okay. Don't feel embarrassed. Uh, but if you are able, please do. We're going to read one verse. We're going to read it together. It starts with the words, by faith. And uh, we're going to shout it out. We're going to read it out loud. It's right up here. Okay, everybody, let's go. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Shout amen. Please be seated. God, we ask you to do something miraculous, would you, in our hearts and in our minds as we think together about lessons from the life of Moses that can open us up to your daily leading. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we've been wrestling for the last several weeks with one basic question. How do I know exactly what it is that God wants me to do uh, in my daily life? The assumption is that if you can figure out just a little bit what God wants you to do, that in fact you will do it. The fact of the matter is that we're all in the middle of unfinished lives. Our stories are yet to be told. And if we will allow God to make our story his story by directing our daily lives, the living of our lives will be more deeply meaningful and the impact will go long past our departure from this earth. I want to start today then by talking about the life of an unnamed and mostly unknown hero. Most of us have certainly heard the name Thomas Edison. We've read about him in some form or another. We know that he invented the electric light bulb. But I suspect that most of us do not know the backstory to his life. And in that context, most of us probably have not heard of the name Nancy Elliott Edison. Nancy Elliott was, in fact, Thomas Edison's mother. Here's the backstory that's worth knowing. It is said that when Thomas Edison was a, a kid going to school, if they had this diagnosis then, they probably would have diagnosed him ADHD. That he more than likely, we're sure of it now, had a severe case of ADHD. It was almost impossible for him to sit still in his seat. I know this, by the way. This was my diagnosis when I was coming to school. This is very much real. Uh, uh, impossible to sit clear, to sit in his seat in a very formal educational environment and time in that day. <laughs> it was possible to, impossible to keep his attention focused. He was always talking, always active, always engaging, disrupting the class, on and on and on and on and on. A story is told that one day, Thomas Edison actually was given a piece of paper and an envelope to take home to his mom. He was told, don't read this. Take it to your mom for her to read it. And so when he got home, he gave her the envelope. She pulled out the piece of paper that was in it from, uh, written by uh, his teacher. And she started to read it. And as she started to read it, tears streamed down her face. Thomas Edison noticed his mom was crying, reading the paper. He said, Mom, what, what's going on? What did, what did the paper say? 
So she looked at the paper and started to read. She said, uh, they wrote and said that your son is a genius. And therefore, we don't have the resources that we need to educate him. So would you please keep him home and educate him, teach him yourself. Sign the school. That's what she read. And he never thought anything of it. She kept him home. That was one of the first versions of homeschooling. And she struggled and worked with him, worked with him over the course of 10 years uh, plus. And finally, he got a breakthrough. He discovered he had a bent for science. And the rest is history. A number of years later, he was now a famous Thomas Edison had discovered uh, the light bulb, had discovered, invented, had invented rather the light bulb, invented uh, the motion picture camera, and so forth and so on, a thousand plus patents. And his mom died. And so he was going through his mom's papers and he found a paper that looked familiar. It was actually the note that he had given to his mom many, many years ago. And as he read it, this is what he actually saw that was actually on the note. It actually said, your son is adult. That word means mentally ill. We won't let him come to school anymore. You keep him. And the story is that Thomas, when he read it, for the next day and a half, he just couldn't stop crying, couldn't stop crying. Finally, after he kind of got himself together, after about a day and a half of crying, this is what Thomas Edison wrote. He wrote this in his diary. He, he wrote, Thomas A. Edison was an adult child, mentally ill child, that by a hero mother became the genius of the century. Why don't we just give God a hand, praise for that? I, this is one of my favorite stories. I, I love this story. I, I, I love this story for a variety of reasons. One of the reasons I love this story is because I know that there are tons of parents out there struggling with your kids, and it looked like that the future for them is totally and absolutely impossible. I was one of those kids. My grand-aunt was like Thomas Edison's mom. And I just think this is an amazing word of encouragement for every parent or grandparent who's raising their kids in the house. Just keep being faithful and trust that God will have his way in the end. You never know who you're raising. Tell the person next to you, you never know who you're raising. You know, I, I told you that Thomas Edison uh, invented an electric light bulb, as you know, and with that, an entire industry, the electric industry was born as a result of that. So one would say that every time you turn on a light, perhaps you should think Thomas Edison. I would say no. Every time you turn on a light, you should think his mama. He invented the motion picture camera, which gave us an entire industry of, of the movies, right? And so the next time when you go to the cinema, you turn on Comcast or DirecTV, somebody would argue you should think uh, Thomas Edison. I would say, no, the next time you look at a movie, you think his mama. Right? What was it about his mom oh, that made her a hero? 
What was it about his mom? The other thing I like about this story is she wasn't wealthy. She had some form of formal education, but she never actually taught in any school. She had a tough life. Her husband was an alcoholic and had all kinds of issues. She was a devout follower of Jesus. So had she been alive today, she'd be sitting in one of these seats here because she went to her Presbyterian church every Sunday. I like this woman because she looks so much like you and me. She's, she's just a regular, everyday lady. And she's a reminder that if you allow God to get into your story, God will take a regular, everyday person and transform, make your story his story. Tell the person next to you, a regular, everyday person just like you. Tell them, just like you. But what made her, what made her this heroic person, this history shaper, this, this, this world change? What made her? I argue it was one basic characteristic, the same characteristic that Moses has in this text that the Hebrew writer is talking about when the Hebrew writer says uh, that uh, uh, by faith Moses left Egypt not fearing the king's anger, but he persevered, shall persevere. I would shout, I would argue, it was her ability to persevere. You know, the definition for persevere is this. It means to stay the course. Or you might define it as to keep on. Here she is trying to deal with her child who's, who's uh, what they would call hyperactive and extremely problematic and I'm sure there was weeks and days when she had tears streaming down. I know there was times that she just wanted to quit. I know that she was, she was times she just questioned uh, why was she trying to do this? Why wouldn't she just let him go ahead and just, just in a sense, just, just be like every other kid? But she stayed the course. And I'm arguing that that's God's word for somebody who's listening to me today or maybe looking at me, whether by video or here. God is saying to you, I want you to hear my divine direction for you today is stay the course. Tell the person next to you, keep going. Craig O'Shell is a pastor of this large mega church uh, called uh, uh, the Life Church. You may not have heard of him or the church, but if you have a Bible app on one of your electronic gadgets, the chances are that it's you version, uh, Bible app. His church uh, invented that, and it's been wildly successful. Craig says this. He says essentially that when God decides to use a person that you can bet your bottom dollar, this is my paraphrase, that you will be tempted to quit. When God decides, when God wants to use you, the more likely it is that you will be tempted to quit. Now, I like to paraphrase that and say this. God has already decided to use you. He's already decided to use you greatly. So here's my paraphrase. Whenever you figure out that God has decided to use you, 
the more likely you'll be tempted to quit. Why? Because anybody who God chooses to use, he always puts them in a place that requires great sacrifice. And it's usually not for a short period of time. I like the word temptation. Shout, tempted. When we hear that word, we think about all the bad stuff around, you know, drugs and alcohol and sex and, and all these different things. And all that is true. All that makes up temptation. But I argue that one of the greatest temptations that you and I face is, in a sense, to know what God is calling me to do, to know what my bent is, to know what I should be pursuing in the world. But because it's hard, because it's difficult, because the waiting period is so long, Temptation to quit. Oh, that's the temptation that many of us are facing right now. Marriage has lost its luster. The love seems to have turned to bitterness and the temptation is to quit. But I want to say to you that God is perhaps suggesting to you, stay the course. You're in a job that has lost a sense of excitement. It's kind of bored. And yet in this season, that is the job that you need to be in and God is declaring to you, stay the course. You're going to school and you've been going to college for six and a half years and, and when you started you thought you'd be finished in four and a half years. Now you're approaching seven years and you're embarrassed and you're ashamed. You won't even tell anybody how long you've been in college because you've got this, this kind of ideal that I'm supposed to be finished in four and a half years. But you know, life happened. Tell somebody next to you, life happens. And you stopped and you started and now you're working and maybe you got a kid and you're taking a course here and a course here and a course there and a course here. Maybe it will take you eight and a half or nine years to finish. But God is, is, is shouting to you this morning, stay the course. Keep going. Maybe you've been dealing with some physical sickness or mental health issues. And you just want to throw the towel in. I just want to quit. Maybe it's a startup that you've been working on to raise money for. And you get a little bit here and a little bit here and a little bit here. It's not been five years. And you just want to say, forget it. But God is shouting to you, stay the course. Everybody shout, stay. stay. Keep going. Now, the insight that we pull from this passage about Moses Begins by faith because of his trust in God. He left Egypt not fearing the anger of the king and persevered because he, saw, he had seen the one who is invisible. Here's the basic insight. Oftentimes God will direct us to stay the course through great difficulty in order for us to achieve the best he has for our lives. Now, let me point out, sometimes you have to leave before you can stay. Ask the person next to you, did you just hear what he just said? <laughs> Come on, say it with me. Sometimes I have to leave before I can stay. I want to point out, let's put that verse back up there. I want to point out, notice what this verse says. By faith, he what? 
left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. I always have to point this out when I preach a message like this, a message on perseverance, a message on staying the course, a message on keep going, stay, stay where you are. I always have to make sure that I point this out, that by faith, because of my trust in God, your trust in God, sometimes you have to leave Egypt before you can stay. What are you talking about? PH, I like the way y'all ask your questions. <laughs> I read an article that said six months ago, six months ago the article was produced by the Atlantic Daily. It says that half the women in this country who are killed die in domestic violence. Either they're killed by present or current or former lover. And it is not fail, without fail, that when I or some preacher stands up and preach a message like I'm preaching today, somebody hears that message and you're in some form of domestic violence. You're being severely physically abused on a regular basis or you're being sexually abused on a regular basis and you translate this message to say, okay, God is saying to me, stay, stay, stay the course. And I just want to tell you, I don't want you to leave here confused. No, God is saying to you, if you're in physical abuse or sexual abuse, he say, leave Egypt. Because sometimes you have to leave before you can stay. All right. I've dealt with uh, ladies who are involved in, in this domestic violence stuff all the time. And, and, and notice... Moses chooses faith over fear. And notice Egypt. Everybody shout Egypt. Egypt is a place of domination. It's a place where people, the Pharaoh and the Egyptians are using their power to abuse and to dominate and to enslave people. And, 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 and Moses' task was to leave folk out. And he had to confront the fear of the king's anger. And this is really the story of domestic violence here. It's really the story. Because the average woman who stays with some fella who beats her up regularly does so out of fear because he said to her number one if you leave me nobody's gonna love you the way I love you and and listen I, I saw on a tv show uh, somebody said if, if if your love is the only love I can get please starve me I, so nobody's going to love you. But mostly they say, if you leave, I find you, I'm going to kill you. And so the, the person stays because you are afraid of, of, in fact, losing your life. But here's what the statistics say. If you stay, there is a higher probability that you will die there. So you've got to choose faith over fear. Get out of Egypt. God wants you out of Egypt. The second reason that ladies often stay in Egypt in domestic violence is because uh, they have this, this romantic ideal that they can fix him. If I just say, God has put me here to fix him. No. If you stay in Egypt, you can't fix him. He's going to break you. God is saying, get out of Egypt. As a matter of fact, his healing will not start until you get out. So he can confront the ugliness of his own self. 
And it might be that God can get in there and do something with him. And, and, and miracles can happen, but not as long as you're there. The third reason that women often stay is because they say, we're staying for the kids. Well, let me just tell you. Here's what the statistics say. If your kids are in a house where there's domestic violence, the boys will grow up more likely than not to batter women. The girls will grow up to marry or get in a relationship with people who will batter them. The average statistics say that they will grow up addicted to drugs and alcohol and land in prison much quicker. So this notion that you're staying in Egypt for the kids is a lie. Or maybe true, but you're fooling yourself. If it's for the kids, get out of Egypt. Can everybody say, get out of Egypt? Get out of Egypt, get out of Egypt. So sometimes you have to leave before you can stay. Ask the person next to you, did you hear what the pastor just said? Ask him. Sometimes you got to leave before you can stay. And I want you to hear God using a broken preacher like me to say that if you're in domestic violence, choose faith over fear and get out of Egypt. There was a movie that came out a few weeks ago, a few months ago, said, get out. I'm here to tell you, get out. Ask the other person to the other side who you haven't talked to in a while. Just say, I'm sorry, I haven't talked to you in a while. Do you hear what God just said? Come on, through this preacher. Did you hear? Come on, ask him. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I had to make that. I had to pull that out. So you had to get out of Egypt. All right, so let's set that aside. All right, let's assume that the rest of this message is not talking about if you're in physical, domestic uh, abuse or sexual abuse. Not talking about that. The message, you got to get out of that before you can apply anything else. Now, the rest of the message is about the rest of us who are living normal life. And you're trying to succeed. You're trying to become successful. You're trying to become all that God has called you to be. Here's the point I need you to hear. I need you to hear this really real. You're trying to build a marriage that's going to be lasting. You're, 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 you're trying to become a superstar. You, you, you want to be a singer or whatever the deal is, right? You're trying to be successful. You got to get this. Hear this. Every successful person goes through a stage. I talked a little bit about this last week where there is a season of pain before you can get to a season of gain. Shout, pain first. Now, young people, you need to hear this. Because young people, y'all think, and it's our fault, that life owes you ease. And you get upset when you say life isn't fair as though it is supposed to be. Life doesn't owe you anything. You've got to make your way. Now, here's what we learned. Check out the stickers of some of the superstars. Go to any industry you want. Just check it out. Go to acting. Look at Eva Menez, for example. Or, from my era, Lucille Ball. <laughs> if you check into their life story, you'll discover that they had to go through a huge season of pain. As a matter of fact, you will discover it's not as though they went through a season of pain, then they became super successful and no more pain. The facts are, they went through a season of pain, then there was success, then there was another season of pain. See, see, pain and hurt and sacrifice is a cycle in life. But that's where you're developed 
the most is in sacrifice and difficulty. Who do you want? Who do you want to? Who do you want to go to? Go to, go to the uh, military and find Colin Powell, who started off as a, a flunking out of City College. But when he figured out that he had to learn how to navigate pain and sacrifice, he ended up at the highest ranks of the military. Uh, and, and, and the first African American becomes Secretary of State. But, but if you ask him, he'll tell you his life is, was and continues to be full of a cycle of pain and difficulty that he has to navigate. And in those seasons of pain and difficulty, he had to hear God say, stay the course. Where do you want to go? Do you want to go to the, the, the founder of of Apple, Steve Jobs, who, when he built the company, the board fired him. And if Steve was here, he would tell you, you know what? You've got to learn how to navigate seasons of difficulty and pain when it looks like you ought to just throw your hands up and walk away. And yet you've got to be able to hear that quiet voice within that says, stay the course. Because he stayed the course. I have an iPhone 8 today. <laughs> Where do you want to go? You want to go to entertainment? You want to talk about Faith Hill? I don't know. Wait, wait. Just, just, do, you, do you want to go to athletes? Do you want to talk about Jeremy Lin? Do you want to talk about Steph Curry? Come on, come on. In all of these lives, there's cycle of pain and suffering and sacrifice where it looked like what they were pursuing would never come to pass. And I'm telling you, the greatest discipline that you can learn as a follower of Jesus and as a human being is the ability to stay the course. Keep going. And go to science, talk about George Washington Carver, one of my favorite uh, heroes. You know, did you know that when he was a kid going to school, he had to walk nine miles just to get to school? Can you shout nine? I, I didn't say nine minutes, I said nine miles. That means 18 mile round trip. But he learned as a kid that if you're going to be somebody, if you're going to be what God has called you to be, you've got to develop the capacity to persevere, to stay the course. Well, there I say Thomas Edison, who was so rowdy in his school, so uncontrollable, so challenging. That his teachers gave up on him and the school kicked him out. What did he learn? I mentioned this before. For those of you who are pursuing dreams. For those of you who think that God has closed the curtain and turned his back. Just because you've been in a pursuit of a dream for several years. And you, you thought it should have happened by now. What, what did Thomas Edison learn? Here's what Thomas Edison learned. A reporter asked him one day. He said, Thomas. They say that. You failed a thousand times before you discovered how to, how to invent the electric light bulb. Would you please tell us, how did you deal with failure a thousand times? Thomas, I would suspect, had a gleam, a twinkle in his eye, and he looked with a little smile. And he said, it's not that I failed a thousand times. 
It's simply that the invention of the light bulb had a thousand steps. Baby, what I'm trying to get you to see and what God is shouting at somebody right now is not that you're in another failure. It is simply that you're in another step. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's painful. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it would be easy. Here's a critical question you have to ask and answer yourself when you're thinking about quitting. Here's a basic question you have to ask and answer. Is it... Do I want to quit because it's right, because it's wise, because this is what God is showing me? Or do I want to quit because it's easy? The answer is easy. That's not what God is telling you. Now, the reason why the Hebrew writer, I want you to note the connection between faith and perseverance. Shout, faith. Perseverance. Come on, say it again. Faith. Perseverance. Now, in this text, there is, there is a real connection. And I actually believe, even for folk who are not believers, there is a connection between faith and perseverance. You've got to believe in the unseen to keep going after it, keep going after it, keep going after it. And here the text says that Moses persevered because he had seen him who is invisible. Now, what the Hebrew writer is saying is, when he looked back at Moses' life, he found a cycle of pain and sacrifice in Moses' life where Moses wanted to quit, but he would always acquiesce to that subtle, quiet voice from above that says, stay the course. One of my favorite stories about this is uh, in Exodus uh, 14, beginning of verse 12. It's one of, I, I love this story. First of all, the, the nation of Israel uh, uh, they have left Egypt, slavery, and they, now they are at the banks of the Red Sea, the, the, the mountains on both sides, they're jubilant, they're happy, and then somebody reports to them, the Egyptian army, the strongest army in the world, they are now closing in, they're chasing us. And all of a sudden, rather than the people figuring out what, what, what will it take to stay the course, they decide to quit, they give in, they melt, really, that's kind of what it means to, 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 to stop saying the course. And here's, here they turn, rather than turning towards each other, they turn on Moses. Here's what they say to Moses. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Listen, what they continue to say. Moses answered the people. Now, check this out. I love this because Moses standing in front of him, he's, 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 it looks like he's just solid and sound, right? No, no, here's what he said. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. That's Moses' way of saying, stay the course. And you will see the deliverance of the Lord. God will handle it. Come on now. We'll bring you today. The Egyptians you see today will never, you will never see again. Next verse. Watch. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be what? Stay. Stay the course. Then watch the next verse. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. I love this point. Why are you crying out? Why are you, Moses, crying out to me? I love this. See, here's what happened. He went before the people. He put forth his proud, strong leadership face. Stay the course. 
And then he went behind some rock and he said, oh God, what are we going to do? <laughs> As a leader, I can tell you that's real. God, why did you bring us out here? Are you kidding me? Will you help me? What do I do? What, do, what should I do, please? And God responds to him, what, why are you crying to me? You done told the people what you've already heard from me. Stay the course. You know, right now, somebody, you know exactly what God means when he says to you, stay the course. You are just right on the back of your bulletin right now on, on, in that response to the message, I will stay. Right now, I'm serious, because you know exactly what he's saying to you. He's, you know about divine direction. This is it right here. Stay the course. And, and what the Hebrew writer is saying is that Moses went through cycles of this. If you read about Moses, the rest of Exodus and Deuteronomy and Deuteronomy and Leviticus, where, they, where the story is about his 40-year journey of having to stay the course. And he went through cycles of, of, of one time Moses says, God, will you just kill me? Because leading these people is so hard. But then he would hear that soft voice stay the course and now we have Judaism here in this Jewish synagogue out of which was born Christianity as Jesus came through the Jewish womb all because Moses stayed the course How many of our stories would end differently if we just decide that no matter what, I'm going to stay the course? What does it mean when it says he stayed the course, he, was, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible? How do you see somebody invisible? That's an oxymoron. Somebody God. Well, what he's referring to is that in Exodus chapter 3, Moses has an encounter. He goes deep into the wilderness, and he sees this bush that's burning. This is a burning bush. And, 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 and inside of it, he, he doesn't, God doesn't reveal a face. It's not like God stepped out of the bush and says, here I am. All he saw was a bush in a burning bush. It, it, it represents an experience, sound experience. It was an experience, but that experience was packed full of the presence of God, of the undeniable presence of God. That experience, out of that experience came clarity about what Moses' purpose was. And so in that encounter with that experience, it is said that he saw him who is invisible. Let me just put it where you get it. Uh, the other day, I had to go, getting ready to go to the office to prep. My wife took the van my mother-in-law needed our car. So I told her, go take the car. I would take an Uber into work, and I would get a lift back. <laughs> I just seen that you get it. Just since you get it. <laughs> By 8.30, 9 o'clock, the lady came to pick me up in the lift, 
and I always like to know who's driving me. So I spark a conversation with her. Turns out she's a young woman who is uh, working at a local school. And as we got to talking, she said to me, you know, for years I stopped going to church. I grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition, but it was unrelatable. And I believed in God, but I just didn't have a personal relationship. She said, but, 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 but God just kept showing up. Her language for, I kept seeing him who was invisible. I knew I was preparing for this message, so I thought about it, I have a little story here, so let me explore a little bit. I said, so what do you mean by the fact that he kept showing up? Give me some examples. And what she said was, she said, well, you know, I was in a horrible car accident, and really I should have been dead, but I'm here. I know that was God. I, I, I know that was God. I, uh, it, something confirms it here. I said, okay. I said, anything? And she says, oh, yes. She says, from time to time, I would have a question that I'd be asking, and I need the answer. And, and somebody would come up and share that question, or I'd open up my Facebook, and I'd see the answer, and it would resonate deep in my soul. I, I don't have any kind of empirical scientific evidence. I just knew in my heart that was God talking to me. And, 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 and after a while, God just, this pattern just continued, just continued, just continued, until I figured out that God must have an agenda for me and a destiny for me. For me and a plan for me and I figured out that I wanted to be a part of that story if he had a story for me so I and then he showed me a church to go to so now I'm in this church Bible teaching you know Holy Spirit filled kind of church and I'm trying to figure out and I'm learning what it means to walk with Jesus in other words I, 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 I'm able to persevere because I've discovered him who is invisible now, here's my point. A lot of y'all keep running into God. You just don't recognize it. If you had to saw the bush burning in the, in the wilderness, you would say, wow, that's a strange phenomenon. I wonder what the scientific... <laughs> a lot of y'all, you've had near-death experiences, and you've even had some visions, but you've written it off. A, a, a lot of y'all, some coincidence have happened that you call coincidence, but really it was God knocking at your door, God calling you by your name, trying to snatch you into his eternal plan. And only now is your brain lightening up. You've just seen him who is invisible. And when you know that God has a purpose for your life, I don't care how hard it gets, how painful it gets. This is Jesus in, in Hebrews uh, 12 and 6. That's what he says. For the joy that was set before him. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. If you know that there's a payoff, I like the fact that, that Thomas Edison's mother was a strong follower of Jesus. She went to a Presbyterian church every Sunday. And I just believe that when, when her husband didn't believe in what she was doing, because he was an alcoholic and he had all kinds of issues, and the school didn't believe in her boy. But in her own record, she says, I saw something in him. And later she would die a young, fairly young life, struggling with her own mental health issues. But, 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 but she saw something in him, and she believed that it was God who showed it to her and out of her faith in God she stayed the course it takes faith to stay the course so if you really want divine direction here's where we end you have to regularly look for God 
You have to regularly listen for God. You have to regularly ask God, what do you want me to do? Be angry with your parents, but talk to God. God, what do you want me to do? And then you have to expect that God is going to answer some way, some form, some fashion, through some experience, he's going to let you know. Because he loves you just that much. Here's where I end. One of my favorite stories is uh, Harriet Tubman, who's also known as called uh, the African-American Moses because she led over a thousand people out of slavery over what is called the Underground Railroad, these very strategic places from the south to the north as she got people out. The story is told that whenever she got ready to get the group together before they left, if they were in some dark woods somewhere, she'd give them a pep talk that was very inspiring but also informative. And essentially, this is what she would say to them. She would say, when you get tired, keep going. When you're scared, keep going. When you're hungry, keep going. When you sense the taste of freedom, keep going. So that's what I want to end this message today. I just think that God is talking to somebody. And he's saying to you, that was her way of saying to them, stay the course. And, and, and I, just, just, I just want you to hear God is telling somebody who's ready to throw your hands up, stay the course. Keep going. Shout, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Stay the course. You know God has done some stuff. I haven't done some stuff that's made you feel upset and frustrated with him. But, but, but I just want to tell you, keep going. Stay the course. You know, the church has been not everything that you thought that the church ought to be. But, 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 but God has built the church into your story. And so if you just keep going, stay the course. You'll, you'll stop coming to church and you'll become a part of the church. Just, just keep going. I, 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 I know that there's been a death in your family, somebody that you dearly love that has been snatched out of your life, and you want to throw your hands up, but, but God is saying to you, stay the course, keep going. And the list goes on and on and on. Here's how the prophet Isaiah sums it up. He says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up on wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You just got to make up in your mind to keep going. Stay the course. Give God a hand praise.